0: This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I am joined with Jim Sebastio here in studio, and we're going to get right into the topic in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to remind you, you can go to practicalshepherding.com, and you can access all of our resources, our books, other podcast episodes. Uh, You can come to the Shepherd's House. You should check that out if you haven't been or haven't looked at that. We have a beautiful cabin, six-bedroom cabin on 180 acres that a family partners with us, allows us to have pastors to come stay for free. So, you can come stay for free. If you're a pastor, come and apply and come stay with us. It's filling up this year, but we're already taking bookings for next year. So a lot of good, exciting things happening here at Practical Shepherding. And if you'd like to help support that work, you can go to the donate page and leave a gift there that would be helpful to us as we press on. Jim, we do want to jump right into topic though. And this is a topic that one is, is near and dear to our hearts, just because we're big sports guys and our kids played sports growing up. And a lot of people or a lot of pastors really are dealing with sports on Sundays. We kind of refer to this as the Sunday sports dilemma really. Mm-hmm. And so we want to we want to talk about that because we know that a lot of pastors who obviously Sunday is the crescendo of our week every week and uh, there's a lot of church members who are involved in sports in different ways and there's different convictions around how much should my kid play sports on Sundays, or for that matter, I mean, how much should I let anything get in the way of being at church on Sunday? So we want to talk about this because we know a lot of pastors are dealing with it. So let's first kind of set this up, Jim, biblically, and then we're going to kind of get into this because you know you and you and I differ a bit on this topic, and so we wanted to have this conversation. Letting people know that there are different views around this, but we're going to the same text and we're trying to sort through mm-hmm. what that means. So mm-hmm. set it up biblically
1: for us before we get into the conversation. Yeah. So I think we're dealing with something that is a rather a contemporary phenomena. But really, it's a last 50 years phenomena. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there is such a thing as Sunday sports for children. Would well, was it go back that, that far you think? It, it's about that. Okay. It goes back into the 70s. Okay. Uh, that this okay. and th- but then really only within uh the last 15-20 years Yeah, I would agree with that. That you would find that there is no longer an accommodation on behalf of sports uh, associations for uh, Sundays, and, and what I mean by that is up until about ten fifteen years ago, and of course, this may depend on where you live but, but up until in my experience ten fifteen years ago, when they had uh, Sunday sports, it would begin at at one o 'clock or two o 'clock that would accommodate figuring and, for church for church, yeah. and I can remember very well the first time that a tournament director said to us that uh, we're meeting at nine o'clock first games at nine o'clock and this is with baseball right. and i realize, okay we have come to this is kentucky somewhat bible beltish and we've come to a new a new place so anyway that's that's a little bit of the cultural background but biblically why is this an issue and for me it's an issue for at least two reasons and I, and one i think we we would agree with wholeheartedly and the other i think we also have agreement with but maybe some disagreement on application but the first thing is the matter of does church attendance matter and does it matter that somebody is gone not not because of an illness and not because of um oh an emergency or not an emergency but a travel situation where for work you have to be you have to be away or a vacation but something where you are going to habitually be missing Lord's Day Worship. Uh, uh, the the child is missing, the parents are missing, siblings are missing perhaps, and all of you are out. And I think you have to deal with texts like Hebrews ch- chapter 10, do not forsake the assembling of yourself together as is the habit of some. And when you stop and consider the background of that, the reason they were going to forsake the assembly, was they were going to be persecuted. And the thought of that, hey, listen, even if you're going to be persecuted, even if it might mean the seizure of your property or the loss of your (coughs) revenue or potential death, you still need to gather together with God's people. I think you have that. And then you have a background of of many, a multitude of passages about what church life is like, whether we're a building or we're a flock or we're a family. And then you have a passage like Acts chapter two, where it talks about the early church and it says, and they devoted themselves. Mm -hmm. They were committed to the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And that church membership, is a commitment, and, and, and fundamental to that commitment, to me, is a commitment to gather. If you're not there, that's where the church is. You're part of the church, and if you are habitually not there... And you have chosen not not in the sense of duty, but 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 out of a desire to have your kid. Again, I understand it. My my son's a college athlete. Uh, I, I understand, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit. I'll do some biography right, on right. this. We'll go there. So there. that so that's one area, and then the other area to me is: is there anything different and distinct about Sunday? Uh, from other days of the week. Is, is Sunday simply another Saturday or all days the Lord's day or is in a, in a very real sense? And I think Revelation one ten, when John says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and, and whether or not you are a, a, a Sabbatarian, that is you believe in the perpetuity of the 10th commandment or or not, most Christians and most scholars would call the first day of the week the Lord's day in a way that other days of the week aren't, Mm -hmm. and that the verbal construction of Lord's Day in Revelation 1.10 is only used one other time, uh, and it's used in reference to the Lord's table uh, by Paul. So, the, as the table belongs to the Lord in a special way, the question is asked: Does that day uh, belong to the Lord in a way that other days of the week d- doesn't? Because in triumph of His resurrection from the dead, etc. So, for me, that's a question uh that that i had to deal with as a parent would i let my son play my, my girls were, at, were had some athletic uh, competition as well in softball and soccer and volleyball but my but my son was a a high level uh, and sought after baseball player in the area here and, and is again now a, a college athlete uh, and the question was what are we going to do what am i going to do as a pastor that's one question, and then what am I going to exhort church members to do? Yeah, and we'll go to
0: biography in a minute, but just to be clear on some terminology. So you are a Confessional Reformed Baptist, sixteen eighty nine, Second London Baptist. Mm-hmm. You are a Sabbatarian,
1: correct? I do believe that there is a, that God requires that we take one day in seven to rest and to worship. Mm-hmm. So um, I am not a Sabbatarian, but I
0: would I would take what. Uh, some refer to it as a Lord's Day view, yeah. but it's not bound by the law of of that commandment that you were talking about. It's a little nuance yeah, right, sure. of it. but So in other words, but I want to go ahead and put that on the table. We, we're we in the same ballpark, but we are theologically looking at some of these things differently. I want to highlight that because I think...
1: Yeah, we li- even talked
0: about having a podcast about our differences yeah, that's on true. something like that and how it affects our churchmanship and other things. That's right. So, But I just want to highlight that because I do believe that... That theological point does affect the application of the conversation we're having right now.
1: Yeah, and so one of the things I said, I've said, and I said to you in in prep was that while I, I I would, if I'm having this conversation with someone, I'd say you don't need to be a sabbatarian to be, I'm coining a phrase, a churchitarian. That's right. And that is that those who do not hold to a Lord's Day Sabbath. Uh, that is, you know, confessionally and historically don't hold to that, can at least say, hey, we ought to at least gather together. And that's a different thing. You know, to, but I, I think in some ways they are somewhat related. But say, listen, you don't have to hold to a Lord's Day the way that I do to say that you ought to, and, and, and by ought to, I mean that that it is your duty to gather with God's people uh, on as the people of God that you're to be committed to the people of God on Sunday, that that ought to be a basic commitment among our people, yeah. unless again the terminology we 've used historically is providentially hindered uh and I would include in that even such things as we 're traveling a travel of necessity is different than I am choosing and that's so that 's the question is it you know what do we do with, and how do we deal with it when Perhaps a number of our families uh, habitually absent themselves yeah. on the Lord's Day for the sake of their child's junior athletic career. So we want to. We'll get to the application in a minute. I do
0: want us to briefly talk about our, our, our biography on this, so we're to know, so people can know where we actually had to wrestle with this, not theoretically as a pastor parent, mm-hmm. pastoring members mm-hmm. who have kids. So you're you mentioned your son was a, a highly sought after baseball player, plays college ball right now. Um, <clears throat> And I had a, my son was a competitive swimmer. Meets are on the weekends. Mm-hmm. I had a daughter who was a really gifted competitive gymnast, mm-hmm. and gymnastics meets are on the on the weekends. So we had to we had to deal with this. And so let's first talk about how did you approach your son's supporting your son's athletic career with these convictions, and then I'll share a minute before we get into the applications of it.
1: Yeah. So uh, several things. Obviously, my own. Convictions, and of course, my my job as a pastor. <clears throat> excuse me. Made it easier in some ways because they would say when I would say but David's not going to play on Sunday, so that was our conviction. David is not going to play ball on Sunday, uh so we don't we didn't practice on Sunday. uh We didn't we didn't do we didn't do ball on Sunday, and that was just that was it. That was the commitment, and so but it's a really important game. Well. Sorry, David, you you, you cannot have him. I would tell every coach that tried to recruit David for something, I'd say, you need to know, first off, number one thing, we don't play on Sunday. And I think sometimes they heard that like, oh, yeah, sure. No, but we're not going to play on Sunday. Now, this actually became an opportunity many times for us to have a a platform for witness. I I, I can remember being at tournaments and – Kids asking, Dave, "Are you the kid that doesn't play on Sunday?" Or parents coming to me and saying, "Are you the dad of the kid that doesn't play on Sunday?" That's what David. One of the things he became known as—he's a kid who doesn't play on Sunday. Yeah. And one of the things I would say to parents is, uh, "Say, yeah, that's 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 our it's our commitment, or we need to be we need to be in church on Sunday." And of course, I'm a pastor, so it would have been different had I not been a pastor, but I would have had the same conviction. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's just it's a conviction and what I, I said was, and I think this is an issue that needs to be wrestled with. I recognize it can be used for guilt manipulation. It can sound like a cudgel on somebody's head. I don't mean it that way when I say this, but I think you do need to wrestle with this. I said, I cannot tell my son that God is the most important thing in our lives, well, unless you got a ball game. Yep. And I felt yep. like I, I couldn't do that and the way the tournaments were scheduled, We weren't able, we do more Sunday morning and Sunday evening worship. The question can well, what if we had a game from two to four or something like that, and it didn't interfere with that? I think that's 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 a question. I think there's a greater degree of wrestling, and sometimes your yeah, yeah. Sabbatarian convictions are going to come in. And like uh, the guy in Chariots It's a Fire said, if you ever saw that, yeah, you know, do you know what day it is, laddie? You know, it's, it's <laughs> Sunday, yeah, Sabbath's not a day for football, is it? You know, and so you might, you know, sometimes I that that, that rung in my head many, many times. Sabbath's not a day for baseball, is it? You know yeah. that sort of a thing.
0: Well, and you're you're a you're a pastor of a church that yeah. has those convictions, so
1: people are looking to you as an example on how, how to consistently apply right. This. And I knew right. So uh, when other parents would come and they would ask because they had we've had other other parents with kids that played ball on Sunday, and I'm thankful. I mean, for me, for 32 years, this has not been an issue. Uh, Because we are convictionally what we are as a church, but parents have also seen, because there's a sympathy there. Listen, I understand. I I, I understand the hardship of it. Uh, I I understand the pull of it. I'm thinking about the boys. Yeah. I'm thinking about a turn. I love those kids. Yeah. I love those parents. I want to. I'd love being there. I, I've spent so many hours of my life on on, on bleachers. Yeah. Uh, I've been out there for that, so I I like it. But I, I but I have never. And I'm going to quote a friend of mine. Uh, there's a woman named Megan Hill who wrote an article about this in Christianity Today a few years ago. And she had said, I have never been in a service of worship thinking, I wish I were on a ball field. Mm. She said, but there were times earlier on, I think she said, you know, where you might be at the ball field. I do know parents that have been at a ball field thinking, I can't believe I'm missing church for this, particularly if it's a crappy ball game. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and you think to yourself, you know, I miss church for this. So that's a struggle. So that's a dilemma, Mm. I think. Okay. That's good. Uh, We approached it a bit differently.
0: In that I do have, I mean, obviously I was a pastor for 25 years as all my kids were growing up, and but I we had the conviction that um, we feel like we could be a little bit more flexible around mm-hmm. this, so we would not have committed to a travel ball situation that would have you know that would half the year you're traveling mm-hmm. on weekends and having to deal with that I, that that just that was not an option. Mm-hmm. But what was put in front of us is hey one, these are the sports that my children want to do and they're working really hard and they're trying to excel at it the best mm-hmm, they can. Mm-hmm. Um, they were sports that if you didn't do things, commit to the whole weekend, you didn't get to do it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were sports that um, that were would require probably them to miss if they did the meets four to five Sundays a year. And so when we sat and kind of looked at all of those things, Talk to them about it. We believed that um, that that was going to be okay for them to miss church to do those things. Now, my wife, you know, obviously I'm at church preaching and doing those kind, doing the things that I'm doing as a pastor. I would say my my wife and my children missed maybe four Sundays a year mm-hmm. on those meets, and we can, and we were, we felt like. Uh, to the commitment that we're trying to, to our children and what they want to do and what they want to excel at, uh, we felt like that was something that that we could do. Now I'm not a convictional Sabbatarian, so right. that also matters in this. I'm not bound by the, exactly by the <clears throat> same things you are. Although I'm, I'm committed, I do believe that it's important for us to be at church. There's I do think Sunday is a is a special day for the church to gather, but I don't feel like I'm law bound to be there every single Sunday and have those convictions or that there like you said there are things that would take us away. Like I think as I was listening to you I thought well okay so if I'm not going to travel uh you know where's the line? Like if right. I'm not going to tr- miss Sunday cuz I'm doing travel baseball, but I'm going mi- to or I've got a necessity to work, well should you be working there if it's taking you away on Sunday? Mm-hmm. Or okay, I got necessity with travel, but what if I have to travel on Sundays because I'm just choosing to come back from my vacation on that day and I miss church. Right. So I, I know you have answers to that. I'm just putting those out yeah, there. Yeah, right, 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 right. So I, I just have a softer view on that I absolutely have to be there and I need to be committed there and I need to be there regularly. That's why you know, missing three, month, three, three months of Sundays because of sports would not at all be a place that we would go. Uh, but we so, felt like yeah, that, that but, was so on,
1: so on the spectrum... So let me ask you this. Yeah. So I would say, did your position at all uh, cause cause any, any struggle? Like, say, let's say if you did have a family that they said, well, if you miss five, I can miss 15 or 20.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And did you ever feel – did you ever struggle with that and think, does my – I I feel in good conscience I can do what I'm doing, and yet to say in essence, I don't think you can do what you're doing in good conscience. And, And I think we recognize that on a spectrum of things to say a third of the Sundays or half the Sundays of the year is a very different thing mm-hmm. than being, You know, I mean, I'm, I'm committed to my church. I'm also gone from my church 10 Sundays out of the year. Yeah, preaching. But I'm usually, I'm, step, I'm yeah. preaching or, or again, mm-hmm. I've occasionally, I'm on vacation and sometimes actually, I do actually sometimes sit and listen to somebody else preach mm-hmm. on, on a Sunday yeah. somewhere. But that's, but I do, I mean, I'm traveling, but I am gone. Uh, I'm gone and it is also a recognition And maybe I'm getting too ahead of myself here. The attendance of our people affects us. Certainly. And and empty seats, and a lot of empty seats, and empty seats for reasons that we realize are very, are, are perhaps casual and, and, you know, there's a statement, Brian, that I think is worth bringing up. I, I've seen some people make, and that is, you know, something like, you know, there is like a .005 percent chance your kid will be an athlete, a professional athlete. Right, right. There's a hundred percent chance he's going to stand before Christ, and and so that auto affect, you know, how how we view this. And ask, you know, what what am I doing? And then we we can get into this. Are there other options for them? Are there potentially yeah. other options where they can be? involved in sports uh, have that kind of good socialization and work their bodies and work their skills um you know so that's another that's another thing that that gets into but but how we how we exemplify i think is one thing where our convictions are And then how it affects us, how it affects the body, and how it affects that family when they're gone, when they're missing half the meals that are prepared every year, missing half the opportunities for fellowship, and that deals with their growth and godliness and their sanctification, all the reasons we would encourage somebody why you should be a part of a church and why you ought ought to attend Services of worship. So I, this is what when we we talk when we talk about this the Sunday dilemma. That's the dilemma yeah. that we're we're, we're wrestling yeah. I, with.
0: I agree, and I but I want to highlight two things on this. Number one is that I, what we're talking about here we're talking about a, a con, I believe what is a conscience issue to a degree, mm-hmm. and and that there's there's flexibility and there's room to give grace to people as they try to wrestle through this agree. and how to parent their kids. In fact, one you know one of the convictions I have had as a parent. And my wife had is as pastors' family that we were trying to be mindful on how to be flexible with our children, so that so that they aren't just bombarded constantly with all of this. Yeah, right. And, and like I share the same convictions, Jim. Obviously, the importance, you know, of church. But what we, especially as we eventually, as my children grew older, uh, I was trying to be mindful of them not hating the church because mm-hmm. they're there day and night. Right. And, and and I believe a lot of pastors are trying to wrestle through that. So right. our decision to support them in whatever they wanted to do, even if it took us away a handful of Sundays, was our way of of saying to them, look, we." I, I think I see it differently than you in the sense that I don't think I was communicating this. Church is, the, you know, Jesus is the most important thing. Church is the most important thing unless, of course, you have a swim meet. You know, I don't believe that's what was being communicated. If we were gone half the year, I think it could be communicated that way. But what I found, and I think this showed to be true, they felt loved and supported by us. Like for me to sacrifice uh even you know taking a couple of Sundays two two Sundays of my vacation so I could go and watch them mm-hmm. over the weekend, they actually felt loved and supported by mm-hmm. that. I don't believe I communicated to them Church or Jesus is not the most important thing in my life. In fact, I think the way we approach that opened conversations up around this. So I do think there is a balance as a parent, not just as a pastor, but as a parent. The second thing I would say is what we experienced, even though we committed to this, is and if people criticized, they didn't come. It didn't get back to me, or they okay. didn't come talk to me yeah. about it. And that, you know, and and it would have been laughable to me, by the way, if somebody would have come up to me and said, you know. I really want to commit. I want to question your commitment to this church and your ministry here, because you are. I
1: never heard that from somebody. No, no that's not what I mean by that. But I, I would. I was curious if anybody ever, if, if, if for your uh, our ability. And again, I, I appreciate this. Back and again, people. I hope I, well, those who are listening to this we're not we're not mad at each other or anything like this. <laughs> we're having, we're as we're talking through this. But I am curious, and I, I would I I would have wrestled with this and at times if somebody had said to me, "Well, Jim, you do it." You know, and, and I said, yeah, but I don't do it as much as you do it. And say, yeah, but you still do it. You yeah. know that that kind. Of, that's what I was curious about. Well, yeah, that's no, what it's you're... a good question. I, I
0: what we found is that there's two there's two totally different conversations happening in in this. In my opinion, it's, uh, <clears throat> you know, well, you're gone four or five Sundays. year are Yeah. So I mean, I haven't said anything to you about you know about that. Right. Like, right. Right. I maybe asked where you were, but but you know, I didn't give you grief because you were supporting your kid. You know, doing whatever right. on, on the weekends, um, but. If you are missing two Sundays every month for the whole year, Mm. um, I I I am going to have a conversation with you about you know where and I did have those conversations, but but that's why I think there's a there is a line that honestly in the midst of the conscience issues and the differing views on this, I would say most at least most Christians who would have a high view of Sunday as a day the church gathers together, uh, in in that way, I would most would. Would still fall in the same ballpark. At least all the conversations I had through the years, people just intuitively were like, "Yeah, you know, this is a conscience issue. This person's gone two or three, four Sundays a year doing this, or uh, you know, versus they're they're gone half the year." So then the same conversations come with even like. Okay, well, how sick does somebody have to be to, to miss church? How many right. vacations do they take to where they're actually missing church? Uh, you know, too much or what? Those are conscience issues. Yeah. But I think most Christians who are committed to a local church, I have found, fall into the same ballpark
1: of oh yeah, that that's too much here. But yeah. this
0: is this is this is doable. This so is that's me. an
1: inter- It's an interesting question. I agree. and I, I I agree. I think when I look at somebody who's gone three or four times a year on vacation versus somebody that seems to be gone once a month or twice a month on vacation. And I've known, I've known some folks, you know, kind of like well, gone again, you know, gone again, you know, Did and, you go to church on Sunday when you are yeah, on vacation? Yeah. yeah. yeah or <laughs> yeah, right. And say, I mean, that's the kind of thing I do, you know, I mean, I almost always try to do, and I recognize some don't. And, and that's a whole nother, again, there's a whole, all, all kinds of issues associated with this. But let's talk to the pastor for a moment here uh, who, who is concerned about this. He's got, do you address it? Uh, how do you address it where you where you're you're you know it, particularly again if you're not if you're not in a with a you know a confessional conscience on it or an exegetical conscience on it, but you have a sense that you really ought to be here i mean there there are sermons that I have prepared for you mm-hmm. there there are there are you know, f- that we depend on you so one of the things I have said is that when when we consistently miss worship. There are one of three lies we believe. Okay, so one is I don't need this. By the way, consistently, consistently, consistent. I don't look, I've got people I've been to church in a, in a couple of years because of illness. You know, so I mean that's a whole different thing. Yeah, right. I, I don't, I, I'm not pressing any of this on them. I would not. You know, don't believe how to make bricks without straw. I'm not trying to be Pharisaical about it. I realize I probably am Pharisaical to some people just the fact that I have any of these convictions. <laughs> but anyway. But one thing is, one thing we say is, when somebody doesn't consistently doesn't come, is this: I don't need this. I don't need worship. I don't. I don't need a. I don't need. I don't need face-to-face preaching. I don't need the. I don't need. I don't need. So that's one thing. I don't need this. The whole. I only take the Lord's Supper. I don't need to see baptisms. I don't need this. The second thing is, I don't need them. That I don't need. I don't need these people. And the third thing is, they don't need me. Yeah. And all of those things are not true. If you are a Christian, you need this. You know, you, you, I agree. you you need this regularly and habitually. And generally you need it once every 7 days, you know. So that's that's you know, so you need this. You need this as a touchstone of reality. When you're in the world, you need this. You need these people and those people need you. And so as a pastor, how do you approach somebody? How do you, how would you or how did you approach somebody if this was an issue for you? As I've said, this generally actually hasn't been much of an issue for us because mm-hmm. people that come to our church, this is a conviction, and so they're probably going to go somewhere else. Right. Um, right. But for you, um, was it – did you ever have to deal with it? Should a pastor deal with it? Should he just pray? Should he just wait on the Lord? Should he – do you say anything about it? Do do you, do you have a, a a policy? Do you say something publicly when someone's going to join the church, and they say, "Hey, we're going to be gone half the year." Do you say, "Well, you know, yeah, better yeah. better to join, better to be part of a church than not part of a church. Better to get some than none." Yep. How, how do you how did you work that out? Yeah, that's a good question because obviously,
0: if it was somebody who was showing a com agreeing to be a committed member of the church, but like, hey, you know, we'll probably gone, you know six Sundays um, because we do travel baseball or whatever it might be They you know, usually in conversations because we did have a, we had a, a high bar for membership. So we caught, talk, we talked through all these things. And of course, a lot of times people attended long enough to see what the pattern of the family's life was mm-hmm. going to be. Mm-hmm. I found there wasn't a whole lot of issues around this because of that, just that their pattern is established when they would be visiting for months and then they would decide to join in them. There'd be, you know, in-depth conversations about their commitment to the church and and how they're approaching you know that commitment that they're making to mm-hmm. everybody. <clears throat> so I found so that would be the one of the applications is you know have a membership process where there's room to have these conversations before they become members. Yeah. So and I did. I, I had, there were a couple of people who for different reasons, whether it was you know if it was work stuff or family stuff or whatever it might be. You know they came that want to become members and I would have very blunt conversations with people it's like so you know you last six months you've you've been here once or twice a month and you say, you say you want to join is, is is that is that going to be the pattern and do you believe you can fulfill this membership commitment mm-hmm. that we're asking you to make so I did have those conversations and and that was the right time to have it it seemed because it it did open conversation for them to be challenged by that mm-hmm. and a lot of times people either left and didn't didn't join which was fine with me mm-hmm or it actually became the thing that that challenged people to rethink the level of of commitment that they had. So, and 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 I would say that you know, and then again, that's why I think convictionally, Jim, this it need, this conversation needs to start theologically, like we did, because you're this is just your personal conviction. You're leading a church, like you said, right. that yeah. has these convictions. So, yeah. I believe, in a sense, you're in a a better position as a pastor of a local church to push on people who have committed to become members of your church and agree. To those things, in a way that that I can as much because right. there's more flexibility, sure. and and that was that's okay with me. But I do want to highlight that. So I think as pastors are trying to think about how to how, how to deal with this dilemma, they almost have to figure out what are you modeling and teaching yourself, mm-hmm. and then two, what what convictions does your church have? Like I, I took a church where church attendance wasn't even a part of the covenant. Right. So you know that's what I started with. And I had to try to build up just to, to get people to realize this is actually part of of membership. So I think every pastor, it's not, in other words, I don't think it's just what are your personal convictions and you start pushing them on people. It actually has to do with what are they committed to as a church. And if and if you need a tighter you know, commitment in your church, if that's convictionally where you are. I think you actually have to start there, not just in the individual conversations with families. We also know through all the COVID stuff, you know, that, the people's commitments to the church have, you know, have been exposed in a way that maybe we didn't see before. In the midst of mm-hmm. all that, I mean, that's a whole other podcast, right? It but, is, yeah. But this is a have, part of so. the same conversation, I believe. So, yeah. you know, I think that um, those are some of the ways that pastors. I think, I think, as a pastor to someone who has placed themselves under our care, we should be able to have a non-threatening conversation about a topic like this. Yeah if we've built a relationship they trust us and we're not coming in a condemning way but we're coming hey you know so whether it's you miss church a lot because you seem to be sick on the weekends all the time you talk you know i had this situation i talked to a you know some some single person in the church miss church a lot and i found out that their lifestyle was like they're out you know they're not partying but they're like out late saturday night mm-hmm. and they just can't get themselves up for church on sunday and that was you know well that's a that's a pastoral conversation that needs to be yeah had i think there are similar lifestyle
1: things with different members and i think they have to be addressed one-on-one in those ways don't you yeah, agree I, I agree and i get and i think it gets back to one of the as i mentioned this whole issue there's a difference between a sabbatarian and a churchitarian and that i think that the 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 commitment the the biblical understanding of what the church is, there's a tremendous amount of of biblical ignorance uh, and and uh, you know what, what the I've, I've said before I if I could among God's people if I could get them to love the church a quarter of the much as as much as Jesus does yeah Jesus is not indifferent to the gathering of his people I mean he he's committed to being there with with them you know he he has a uh, he he does not view the church in a take it or leave it kind of way and I think we're dealing in a society where that is largely the case again you go back to the Hebrew situation where it was a matter of life and death and for us it's a matter of of convenience or, or not I'll do it and, and, and if we are I think if we're in a revitalization or reformation process or church planting process among the things we ought to have fundamental among us is that look we're we're going to be look not in a legalistic way, but we're going to be committed to each other. Yeah. There is a basic commitment to gather, so at least on the Lord's Day, at least once on the Lord's Day. I don't think that's not asking the world of people, but for some they hear that and it's like, oh, it's legalism and bondage. Yeah, you know, right. do you know you have to go to that church if you're a member of that church? When well, I think that's and, what... and we we've reached that place societally, and, and and I think we have to. How are we going to deal with it?
0: Yeah, and I also just I want. My desire at our church was that we people wanted to be there, not yeah. just out of obligation, right? Right? They right. Wanted exactly. to be there, exactly. And I think that's a, that's got to be talked about here because you can <clears throat> we can guilt people to church because Exa- of are commitment. Exactly right. And I, I, I have to be I honest, with be, right. I I to be honest with you. And one of the reasons I was flexible with this is I, I was really kind of go all in. It's like, look, I want you here because you want to be here. Exactly. Not because you feel obligated to be here. I, right. do, want to, I do want to go one more place with you before we wrap because I do, because <clears throat> this has been an important part of our conversation, I believe, through the years about this. And I, I want mm-hmm. to pull the curtain back a little bit for, for listeners. So <clears throat> I, I, I respect you more than I can say it. You are the most convictional people I know, and I deeply respect you for that. And I've watched it in your life. It's consistent throughout your life. One of the things that I've always wondered, and I want to speak to you as a parent to your son in particular. Yeah. <clears throat> so, and I, I've admired how consistently and I watched it all through high school, David's career, and now he's playing college ball and all that. That you really held to this, this this line with him, and he doesn't play on Sundays, and he was known as that kid, and you were that parent. <clears throat> David was a, he was a pitcher, who doesn't pitch every every game. He is a tremendously gifted baseball player. And I, I I watched you be able to do this. One of the questions I always had, and this is what I want you to address: <clears throat> What about the average baseball player who who's a shortstop? So they need him every yeah. every game. Who's average, but loves to play? Is not a believer. Mm-hmm. So a parent asking, saying, "You can't play on Sunday," and the coach isn't going to. If the if coaches give concessions, he's not going to give a concession. Yeah. To a like I watched David as like. Yeah, if I was a coach, I'd be like, "Yeah, David, come play, come pitch when you can come pitch." What do you do with the parent who's yeah. got that average ball player who's yep. got to play basically every time? Like that was similar to the situation I was in as a parent. How would you address yeah, that? Yeah,
1: well, again, because I, I would address this because of my I would address this. I, I, there's an affectional way I would address this. There is a way I, I hope I would try to understand and address this. I mean, and among the things I would say is um, <clears throat> there are several things I would say in that situation. One is that there there are there may be in, particularly in today, and this is one one of the benefits of today. <clears throat> there are increasing athletic associations done by believers, homeschooling associations where there's soccer, volleyball, baseball, probably not football yet, or swimming. But there are some opportunities that are available where where there will be there, there are no Sunday games. You know, so there are there are something that you can look at and say, can I try to find this? So I, we try to find this with my kids, both with sports, also with with um, with theater. My kids yeah, were involved music in theater. Stuff, right? yeah, you know? I agree. so they yeah. my I, a couple of my kids were very talented in theater, but we found places where they could perform and it was performance thursday night friday night saturday and and then you know it, it wasn't you know so it was able to not be an issue if my kid's not a believer i'm going to wrestle with that because i'm going to ask him kid okay, well what what's more important for him what does he need i mean what what what's going to matter 10,000 years from now you know and i w- i would hope that you know, as the kid is going to work out, some of these things going to work out his own convictions. I, I don't. I think that we ought to try to make all of this as much as we can. Even like, like we just said about church attendance, I want church attendance to be not 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 something given with the whip. I want it to be like I've opened a box of pizza. And the aromas wafting through, and I say, "Hey, would anybody like some pizza?" And they're like, "Of course, I want some pizza." <laughs> you know, you bring donuts, and everybody went, Of course, I want donuts. You know, that it ought to be like that to us. Obviously, for for our kids who aren't, aren't Christians, it's it it you know may not be that way. Uh, but I I, you know, I would express sympathy for that, um, and I would say just, I do want to make clear too. I, just want to, I want to say two things about my son quickly about this. One is. Uh, he was, he did, he did pitch on Saturday. It was his job to pitch on Saturdays of the tournaments to get them, you know, normally got them into the tournament, mm-hmm. but he was also a shortstop. And so he did, he was a guy who yeah. was, a, you know, so it did affect the team and it, 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 you know, and that was, it was hard sometimes. And I'm also going to say, you know, now that he is a, he is a college athlete and he joined a college, he, he's, he's part of a, a Christian university Um. that, initially has had convictions about sunday sports those convictions have not always worked themselves out mm-hmm. and so david now is a you know he's 21 years old he's engaged and all this kind of stuff He's he's got to make his own decisions yeah, right, right. And, and, and his convictions don't line up with all the ways that we so uh so there have been times now that you know they, they had to play a sunday and, and he pitched or something yeah. like that so uh we haven't talked about all of that with him. Like, well, why, why did you decide to do that? Or curious, you know, have mm-hmm. you changed your your, your thoughts or, or or you know convictions or, or how you worked how you work that out? So some of that, our kids are going to have to eventually. Our kids are going to have to work some of that conviction yeah. out for us. Yeah. If you're not of that conviction, then you 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 know you're not going to be able to press that conviction on your on your children. Right. I think we ought to look for opportunities again. We don't we don't want as best we can our association with the church or with worship. To be a drudgery or to have it feel like you're choosing between me and him. Yeah. But but the Lord, I think, ultimately, the Lord needs to be preeminent uh, in those decisions. I
0: appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. And, and I want to say this, and, and we can wrap, that uh, here's, the, here's the dilemma that we're talking about. Pastors who are trying to faithfully lead churches, mm-hmm. who have con- own personal convictions yeah. up, about these things. Yeah. Who are then trying to lead the churches around that, so, mm-hmm. and their church may not be even where they are. Right, and then they're a parent, and they have these children
1: that they're trying to love yeah. and care for, and support, and, I mean, not, and not resent the church, and, and not resent Christianity, and, and all. Do of those it in others. a way
0: that they don't resent the church, Jesus, all those things. That's the dilemma, Jim. Like it's just like I mean, this we need a dilemma, to try to right. figure this This is out. a dilemma, but, and there's tension. But there's. I think we have, I think we have captured the tension around this, and that's why we want to have this conversation. I don't think we have a lot of solutions other than encouraging people, look, this is a dilemma. It's complicated. Be gracious to yourself as you try to sort through all of these kinds of things. Seek counsel from people you trust. And and try to figure out you know how to love and support your kids well and also convictionally lead your church and be the pastor that you want to be. I, that is possible, I believe. And, and I, I think I can say that about myself that I've walked in that yeah. and that you certainly did. It's possible but but we wanna encourage pastors to, to you gotta wrestle with this stuff. It's worth wrestling with. And I believe that this is just gonna continue on as, as the as the culture secularizes and is not even that remotely sensitive to what Christians are doing on Sunday, this is something that pastors are gonna deal with more and more. So will you take a minute and just pray mm. for pastors
1: as they wrestle through this yes. dilemma? Father in heaven, we do thank you that we can go to you and and we can seek wisdom from you and that you have pledged to give that wisdom to those who ask. And so, Father, as we try to navigate the circumstances of life in this present age and to do so in a way that honors you and does good for the body and good for families and good for a rising generation, Heavenly Father, give us help and give us wisdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.